0: You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, It is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived and ministered and done God's work in small, out-of-the-way places. I am your host, Joe Epley, and this week I'm excited to have a conversation with Pastor Stephen Pettit. As uh, we spoke over the phone and prepped for this interview, um, I just really admired how much he talked about his walk uh, with Jesus, because obviously the heartbeat of every minister is... Is kind of this personal relationship we all have with the Lord, and so I'm super excited to hear his take on and hear his story. Uh, but first, I want to welcome him to the show, Pastor Stephen. How are you doing, sir?
1: Oh, doing very well. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a great privilege to be here. And again, I just uh, appreciate uh, the time to to go ahead and just be able to speak into you know lives today
0: absolutely and uh, and and i really enjoy our audience you know it's it's rural practitioners people like us who are just trying to do god's work in these small places and i and i love how we can encourage each other and so um the first thing i want to ask you is uh something we ask everybody and that's just to maybe give us a bit of your background in ministry you know where have you been what have you done and and maybe describe your connection to the rural church and so tell us tell us your story man
1: sure uh you know i've always been in the rural setting so like i grew up in a town of 260 so uh, that's where my church was at. Uh, I'm currently pastoring in a town of about 3,300. I think is what they said. I think what the is. Sub- the, the big sign. city, if you will. Yeah, and that's the, the big biggest, city. <laughs> that's the biggest one I have city I've ever lived in in my life. Uh, but no, I've been youth pastoring uh, here as well as being the campus pastor. At my previous church, I was uh, for a year. I was uh, the youth pastor, but then took over as the lead and did that for about I think about five years. And uh, before that church, uh, I was over in a small town, Colorado, about 450 people and was the lead there for my first time. And so, uh, yeah, all my life just been all about the rural church. And so my connection to it is, yeah, just it's always been a part of my life. And since I started going to church at 15 years old, I did not grow up in it uh, and just fell in love with it. You know, the idea of community, the idea, it's uniqueness Uh, I just really uh, took, I guess, my pastor's mission. uh, The idea is God is still God of the small town. I think that sometimes we can forget that and God only moves in those big places. That's where our audiences are. But God wants to do something uh, everywhere because every person, every life life matters. And that's really my heart for any place I go. And I love that it's just here. I love that people stop and talk in rural towns. So I'm a talker. So I love getting to know people.
0: Well, good man, and I think uh, a lot of your sentiments would be echoed by a lot of other rural pastors as well. You know, it's it's one of the greatest joys. It's it's the hidden gems, if you will, where you you know. Because for me, I came in rural from the outside, um, came from a big place to a small one, and it took some getting used to. But once I overcame that threshold, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, just that that just the advantages you you get in a rural setting. And so, man, that's so cool to hear about a slice of your story. Um, and we're going to dive into it a little bit um, and kind of work our way actually backwards, but. But I, I really did admire, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I admire how you talk uh, about this term, right, that, that you want to love and know God as much as a person can love and know God. And and one of the things I've always been, uh, I, I wouldn't quite use the word obsessed with, but it's just a huge, uh, uh, of huge importance to me, is uh, what is it that we look like behind the scenes? You know, as far as ministers go, like, yes, we have uh, talents and giftings that God uses us to lead people and lead his church, Um, but I kind of want to peek behind the scenes. And so can you tell me a little bit about what does your day look like as a follower of Jesus? And how do you live out that idea that you really get up and say, Hey, I want to love God and know God as much as I possibly can. So, so, and it's not braggadocious. We're, we're learning from each other and we're gleaning. So I really want to hear how is it you spend your day in spiritual discipline?
1: Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, obviously where I'm at now is not where I was even last year and certainly oh, sure. where I was when I was a kid. And, uh, so these are just things I've learned, but where I'm at now, and what it looks like is, uh, so today I got up at 4:15 in the morning um, before my feet hit the floor. You do this about every day. If not every day, five minutes, I don't even get up. I just lay there quietly because my wife is still asleep usually. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and uh, just quietly say, thank you Lord for, for getting me up for another day to represent you, to know you. And I'm excited what that looks like. And so uh, I'm not much of a morning person, but that gets me excited that I'm like, I'm going to go meet him and he's going to show me who he is. And so right after mm-hmm. that, you know, shortly after I enter into prayer uh, for about hour, hour and a half. And then, uh, so I just seek the Lord. Uh, it really is just to know him in that hour, hour and a half and anything he would lead me in, but just desiring to be in fellowship. And then after that, I go ahead and come uh, to my like desk and I just just go to the word for about an hour until I have to get my kids up really about sure. six forty five in the morning got to get them ready for school. and you know after I get all of that that kind of stuff out of the way, I jump into my office and as I was met I'm going through like getting my kids ready and stuff, I meditate on what I was reading and I'll usually come back to that for another half an hour uh, or more depending on what it looks like. and so then I go about my day and then uh sometimes in the afternoon I'll hop back over to the church and seek the Lord more, you know go ahead about Whatever it be, usually about half an hour, not not more than an hour. I'm trying to push more, Uh, but that's what I do. Then my kids will usually get home and uh, we go ahead and spend time together. But that's the way I end my day then is as how I got up, you know, pray with my kids, my wife. But then before I go to bed, I pray. I just say, thank you, Father. And this this prayer, I never say amen to because I literally fall asleep praying. Uh, so that's just something I do so that I can like sandwich my day in the beginning and the end. God is my first and my last. He's literally in my entire day. So that's a snapshot of kind of what it looks like.
0: Yeah. And honestly, uh, thank you for your honesty. You know, again, uh, uh, I really love, uh, you know, we all talk about it. We all talk about the things that make not just ministers tick, but followers of Jesus. And so, and I know that over the phone, you know, I just got the impression, especially someone who came from outside the church, uh, you know, it's just so huge when we, when we, it's almost like you stumble upon it. And you go, man, there's this God of the universe that is just so incredible. I mean, you know, and, and so you're, you're enraptured and, and it creates this vitality and this push, this drive, uh, to grow. And I would hope that'd be something we as pastors could all strive for and learn from, you know, as we, as we encourage one another with, with kind of a desire to, to, to be close. Well, Hey, um, one of the things I want to look at is uh, when we talk about uh, your influences, you know, I know that you mentioned um, A.W. Tozer as as uh, a, f- a man of the faith that that really kind of inspires you to follow God more. And so maybe, you know, maybe people are, have read Tozer, maybe they haven't, but, but break down why it's important to you and some of the things that have made an impact on you from his life.
1: So um, the reason I love him is this is because – Uh, I mean, I love the pursuit of God. It's one of his writings. Mm -hmm. And right right when he takes off on that book, he has this idea of God only. And he goes, the thing that kills most people is God and in their prayer, Uh God, this God and that. And he goes, if we can just get rid of that. And, and as a, a person in the small town, I love simplicity. And I remember the Lord calling me to that really early on saying keep it simple in a world and a ministry of complexity. I think we have dove deep into programs and think if we just do all these things, this will make, it, make us successful. But where sure. I found the success to be is again, seeking the Lord. And this is why he's been a big influence is because I look at his life. The guy didn't graduate high school. He oh, never really? went to seminary. Yeah. Yeah. And yet how he writes, he writes like a scholar. But I'm like, this obviously shows where this man was spending his time. I mean, uh, and if you read about his life and his exploits and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And you find out, even he's very explicit about it, he'd spend minimally three hours a day in prayer. Uh, wow. and that just really gets me excited. Like most people get scared, like, I don't have time for that. I'm like, neither do I, but I'm gonna push to make time. Sure. For it. Cause I'm like, if that worked for him to influence generations to come, I'm not here to make, like, right, You know, I'm not trying to write a book or get followers. I'm just going, I read his influences. I read about it and how much it impacts and hits my heart and pushes me to know God. I'm like, I want to do that for others that what he did. And so in just in a way, like I said, he wasn't trying, he's never tried to state his credentials. He was like, Paul, he goes I like, count all these things as, as garbage, as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ, that was really everything to him. And so that's kind of where I kind of got my whole, I'm going to know and love God the best a man can know and love God is Mm. this is where this guy lived. And I go, that sounds like a life well spent. And so I was just really kind of one of those things like you know, you learn to, to kind of build off the shoulders of another or stand on it. And that's really what I would just encourage anyone is to find that those things that can help you, Grow quicker, you know, in a sense of what took them three years. Learn from them, and so it take you like six months. And so, just one of those that I take. I mean, he's hard. I love straight shooters. Don't sugarcoat things for me. Just tell me what I need to do, and tell me if I'm doing it wrong. I don't care. I'm not. You're not going to offend me. I I want to run after God. Sure. He was one that just really kind of resonated with me in that way, but could just see God's presence, power, and love uh, in everything he did. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, I know that. Uh, I mean, I'm encouraged even to just speak it, because because it, it one of my my favorite observations to make is that when we look back at Christian history, we see the movers and the shakers, and it's one thing to respect them, you know, the the Tozers and the and the the Wesleys and the Jonathan Edwards and and even in our Pentecostal movement, you know, these 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 heroes of the faith and all these different things. Um, but it's another thing to again to peel back the layers of their lives and say. Man, are are we willing to invest the way they invested? You know, are we willing to, you know, especially in rural ministry? Uh, I know over and over you'll get people who will say things like, "Yeah, we went to this small town and saw God do this amazing work, and and we, you know, we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from, so we prayed every day and dinner would show up." And and I think now there's a temptation almost to to kind of uh, appeal to self preservation, you know, and that's not a bad. It's not a bad motive. Oftentimes it's like, well, I don't want to go somewhere and not be able to live or support my family. But again, there's this aspect of our faith that was built by those who did dig deep, you know, yeah. who did pray as if they didn't have three hours and had to find it, you know, and, 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 and those kind of things, you know? And so I, I know that that resonates with my soul, you know, and I'm sure that's, that's somewhere where you're at too.
1: Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, the, what God said about the Levites, you know, he said, you don't get a land. Uh, I'm your inheritance, you know, that meant like, I'm your everything. And I think that as pastors, spiritual leaders, we got to remember that, that this world's very temporary. Like you said, we have that self persevering. I mean, it's not hard to go ahead and have a, I know probably every person who's in rural ministry now has probably heard the story. All you got to do is to deter a, a minister is tell them the nearest Walmart's an hour away. And most of them will go, sure. oh, I'm not anymore. Right. You know. And so we kind of got to ask ourselves, what are we really living for? And like you said, that means the hard pursuits. And like you said, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to lay ourselves aside for the sake of the gospel and the furtherance and knowing him? You know, those things that really matter. So, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, I want to turn our attention, you know, now that we understand, just a, just again, a fraction, a glimpse of, of the foundation that you not only have been able to make, but of course, of course, are stumbling forward and and, and continuing to make, as we all are. We're all just practitioners of what it means to follow God, of what it means to do ministry. Um, but I do want to maybe talk about some of your church experiences. Uh, you mentioned that your first church as a lead pastor had maybe some rough edges or a rough scenario that walked into and uh, and you did you know divulge to me you said hey it kind of actually ended in a bit of a split you know of the church and so and this was a lesson that i just think uh could use reemphasizing is i know there was a process for you of what it meant to both experience bitterness towards you to maybe feel your own bitterness and eventually have to apologize to people who hurt you and so walk us through a bit of that story and maybe how the lord worked through that
1: process sure um, yeah, that was, a uh, that was interesting. You know, I was 24 coming into that church, you know, so very young and thought I had all the answers, I suppose. Kind of one of those <laughs> as, things, you know, you're as young, we you. Do, you know, as we yeah. do, you're like, I, I've read the Bible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I kept saying that 21, I thought I was mature in the 24. I found out now I'm just going, I'll eventually get there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I was really young. It was a couple years in. All of a sudden, it just hit us like a ton of bricks over a few, dis- you know, disagreement after disagreement. But the one that came to the head was just, uh, just a decision that was really not. I mean, just couldn't seem to reach. I would say a uh, uh, really a amicable agreement. So they're just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm walking away. And and so that ended up happening. About I'd say about seventy percent of the church left. You know, so oh, wow. it was a massive split. And. I, I remember, I remember the moment it happened to this day. I remember I was sitting in my office and and I said, Lord, what, why do I feel okay? Like, okay. why am I okay with this? And he said, he just said, I'm cause I'm with you. And, and I said, but yet it's still hard. And he goes, yes, it is. And I remember my wife coming home and I remember grabbing her and crying, like, well, I just don't know what happened. And so I was like, I was okay, but yet I wasn't. But the whole process of that was really neat. Just, learning how to go ahead and and figure out how how do I move on from this how do you in a small town how do you even go and get beyond this and so what I was just kind of looking at was okay uh, we got to go ahead and find a way to forgive we got to find a way to let go we got to find a way to to really just stay in the will of God and so um, I one of my strengths I will say is I am very quick to to forgive. I'm pretty sure. Good at that. My foundations is biblical. I remember what I've been forgiven and that yeah. stays in foresight. It's, it's
0: Matthew, uh, oh. Matthew 18, right, where you talk about a yeah. story of it's like hey, I know how much debt has been canceled against me. How how dare I go out and kick kick the fellow serving, you know, in a sense. So Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you just kind of look at that. That's why so I've always just seen it that way like I've done way worse things to Christ. You know, my debt way more than anything they've ever done. So um, in my heart, I was very, very quick to forgive. But and if you're not, you are just I'm struggling. Don't you're not less than you're just in a different place. I would just speak into that and say, man, just get before the Lord and realize not what they did, but realize one, your wrongs before Christ. But two, man, if they knew Jesus and were walking in that unity, they wouldn't have done that. So weep for them, you know, that. That you know, it's like we're walk, we're all walking in perfection, but weep for those who don't know what they're doing, as as Jesus did on the cross. Uh sure. but, so months I say years down the road, here I am in West point. And so that know this is like a big And dump. so
0: you're in a different, you're in a different town by this point.
1: Oh yes, yeah. What kept coming back to me is probably I would say at least once every other month from here and there. So it's been quite a few years. So I was like, I should write them. I should contact the people that were kind of like in the head of it, uh, that kind of really led that charge on the other side and just ask for their forgiveness. And I just kept putting it off like, nah, nah. not because I thought I was right. I mean, I really look back and I think there's more times than I could just look back and go, I wish I would have done it differently. I wish I would have done it differently. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that was probably my biggest thing I had to deal with was that. I had to let go of the fact, Stephen, you can't change the past. You need to let that go. And so dealing with that was probably my biggest thing. But um getting to write, I finally did that. I finally wrote a couple of people I knew that were kind of leading that charge. And just telling, them, I'm so sorry for what I did, what pain I caused. I wish I would have sat down and listened more than I talked. Sure. Uh, and just kind of making some phrases like that, Rick. And I really meant it. You know, I really was just like, I because the reason I wanted to do that was. The Lord put it on my heart saying, you know, reconciliation, the idea of it takes two. But I was like thinking if I ever go back to that town, yeah, and even if I don't minister there, even if I don't minister and I'm just in the town, it's a small town, 400 people. And I see them. We could smile and talk, but there would always be that tension, that unsaid, unspoken mm-hmm. kind of what happened, went down. Is it okay? Um, even though we kind of think, well, I think that we both moved on, um, that I just didn't want to sit there. I didn't want it to fester. I didn't want the enemy to have that foothold. I didn't feel like that was unity. And so that was the reason I wrote it is just because I'm like, I don't want there to be anything between sure. me and anybody. And so it was probably two days later, I got a reply already. You know, people like, oh, great. Just reaching out, going, I wish I've so many times I wish I would have reached out to you. I'm so glad you did. Wow. And they said, we forgive you unequivocally, like, no, hands down, no reservations. Thank you so much. This is so wow. free. And I don't know if it would always be met that way, but I was fortunate enough to have that. Sure. But uh, I would just encourage any person, you know, you have that happen, even on an individual level and you're still in the town. I've been quick after after my first church in Kimball and in he- and here in West Point, if I offend I go after it quick, like kill the offense by walking in forgiveness, um, asking for it fast because I never want to give the enemy that foothold. And so that was a really good character builder, really great uh, humility, uh, how I got to learn to walk in it. So, yeah, it was really good.
0: And I love how that ties into uh, kind of the rest of how you're trying to build your life on Christ. You know, uh, I imagine that some of those times in prayer that you spend, uh, it is soul searching. It's reflecting on the beauty of Christ and, and our own sin and, and how God has forgiven us. And and when we minister from that place, you know, of saying, hey, I'm, I'm aware of Jesus and what he's done in my life and what I've done against him. Then, man, the practical steps of ministry, it's not that they're easy. You know, they're still difficult things, but. Obviously, I really think that's a situation where the Lord yeah rewards the fruit of of maybe your yours sitting in His presence and letting His His life you know kind of pour into yours, and I I, I think that you get to experience the fruit of that. So the cool thing is, uh, so in your church in Kimball, and this is what we're going to talk about next, we actually had the privilege of having your successor Alvin Koski on this podcast like several weeks ago, uh-huh. and so. So uh, it was great to chat with him, um, and he spoke highly of of k- kind of the legacy you left and how you set him up to win. But uh, I do want to talk because it's 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 kind of unique to me, right? Um, so when you left your last church, you know, which was in Kimball, right? It, you told me that you stayed until a new pastor was selected. Now most people, and, and I do believe there's there's pockets where this is changing, but a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of have the classic story of well, I felt the Lord was moving me on, so I set an end date. And it was two weeks or a month or six months or whatever it is. And then we moved on, you know, and 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 that church then has to either a find a pastor by that point or B, and and what sometimes, especially the rural church, is often the case, is they may be without a pastor for a period of time or having to, you know, have another church organization help them or all those things. And so, um, but you stayed and and you stayed without an end date. You said, I will stay until we find uh, a successor, and so what made this so important to you? And kind of give us a brief snapshot of your, uh, you know, kind of your biblical foundation for that.
1: I was just saying, I personally had to find him. Um, this is really where that came from. Is God? He simply, he kind of, he asked me a question. He says, "Do the sheep ever pick the shepherd?" And mm-hmm. not only that, but he says, basically, I, I was like, I had to write this one down just to make sure. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes you forget.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But he says, "Does the shepherd leave before his replacement comes?" Mm. You know, in in life, and I'm like, "No, no, I, I, it's definitely that would leave the sheep exposed. That would, right. that would be careless. You probably lose your job." Uh, and he goes, "So don't do it either." And that was really wow. the. the Part of it all, but also, you know, I've also been a part of um, small churches, but you get in those circles and you hear those voices of people saying like how they went through transitions and how hard it is. And you start hearing common things like starting over. They hate that. They feel like they hit a reset button. They're like, it's exhausting. Yeah. Uh, They always feel like we're going in a good direction. And all of a sudden we're getting pulled in a different one. Like, where are we going now? Or yeah. Yeah. And then obviously it's the work of finding the right pastor. They don't even know what they're looking for. They don't know what the right pastor looks like. They aren't qualified. That's like saying a sheep knows it just doesn't. And, and so what we really wanted is, was to see healthy transition, what that looked like. And so we kind of just got an idea, well, what does it look like? And kind of liken it to like, you know, a relay race passing the baton from one to another. Your handoff's very important. You can't run before you, If you just wait too long, you're probably going to lose the race too. So we were like, we got to, we got to find a way to do the handoff. There's a time where both, both of us are going to be holding the baton, me and my successor. Right. And I said, we need to make sure we have that time. I don't know how long that looks. We didn't put it. We didn't really put timestamps on anything because we didn't know what we were going to do. We were like, this is, I have no clue what I'm doing here. Yeah, And
0: it's a bit of a scattershot. Anyways, you're, you're sitting here going, ah, you know, let's see what happens, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and so that was really kind of the heart of it It was just, I guess I wanted to see it done right. We wanted to see the right leader come in and wasn't necessarily looking for talent was obviously just looking for a man after God's own heart, you know, kind of like a David you know, or someone just says, I can't teach that. But in scripture, you say like, I, biblically, I'm, now I'm, I will say this. Uh, I'm not saying that it should always be done this way. Like there's no, sure, yeah. yeah.
0: Cause we leave room. We leave room. Yeah, you know so, what I'm saying? For people. one no takes me that way.
1: Like, if you don't yeah. do it this way, you're horrible. I'm like, I am not sure, saying sure. just my heart. But, you know, like Titus 1.5, um, I wrote these down. It says, for this reason, I left you in Crete. He's talking, this is Paul telling Titus this, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Also, Acts 14.23, it says, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed and fasted, they commended them to the Lord. Hmm. Then you obviously can look in Corinth, how it looks when you don't got strong leadership. I mean, you read the book of 1 Corinthians, they that was not a very, yeah, like, that was not favorite. a good yeah, thing <laughs> they had at but... the
0: time. Yeah, exactly. They did not have a yeah. lot like, going in that area.
1: But, you know, if you ever want to combat a sheep, I mean, a, a wolf with, from a sheep, you need the shepherd there. That's that's just going right. to be it. Um, one of my favorites, though, is Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30. And this was kind of like the big one for me, the heart sure. behind it. And uh, I'll read the whole thing, but there's a phrase I really was like, "Ooh," and it was be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will rise, speaking perverse things to draw them away. So I just saw, and the key phrase that really hit me out of it was, which he purchased with his own blood. Mm, that really so speaks, much value. Yeah, value and love, exactly. And I'm just like, so if I leave without giving them a shepherd, I said, that doesn't feel like love. That feels like carelessness. Wow. And I said, what, what a is statement. the value of one sheep?
0: Yeah, well, when he leaves I'm you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. like 15, there it is, Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, that's, that. I saw him like, we poured into these people. We led mo- many of them to Christ, discipled them. We were there thick and thin. I'm like, I love them way too much to, to hand them over and let them be an open target for the enemy. Right. So that was really like my heart is like just that idea, but really remembering, man, they are valuable. And, and so that was why, I mean, we sensed a call of God for moving to, and people like we checked out churches and they're like, well, what's your time frame?" I go, I don't know. It's whenever I find a replacement and they're like, well, we need his. And I go, and I really do believe the enemy would, was trying to get us, you know, go, go. And right. I just. My ground, you know, just, no, can't go, got to do this. And they said, so wow. we can't wait. And I'm like, that's fine. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like, you do what you got to do. Do what's best for your church. You know, I understand that. That's what I'm trying to do. I hope you would understand that. So right, right. that was just the whole heart of that is that transition was to find that right person to protect the sheep so that what we did was not in vain, you know, yeah. and that, that they would like these people, like, cause we obviously had those conversations with them as well you know oh you're leaving like the leaders like what are we going to do i'm like right i got this yeah yeah I, was like, I got this
0: and what a gift to give you know what a gift to give as a pastor is to say to your flock hey i care about you enough to do my absolute best to leave you in good hands you know that's just huge
1: yeah and we said i told my my leadership dad like my board and everything i kind of felt like an overreach maybe but i said oh, you're sure. taking the shepherd and they look at me like what i go you have no say i go i said well you'll have some say But, uh, I go, it'll basically be, if I pick a person, you know, that it's, I know that it's him and you disagree, then I am gone. (laughs) You know, I told my leadership that I'm like, no, we trust you. Um, you pick the shepherd, we'll follow him. And so very, very awesome. I had a very good church there. They were very, very, very great church. Um, but I said, I will find your shepherd so you don't have to. And they were so relieved to hear that, you know, like, oh, you know what to look for. You are a pastor you care for us. So, you know, this better than anybody. So thank you. Sure. And so it's just very, it was a very, very helpful, uh, learning experience for me as well. Just be like, man, I don't know if I'll ever leave a church without doing that. If God calls me away, like sure, that was so healthy, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I love what you said. Cause I think, uh, I mean, obviously there's the, I like, I like when a topic comes up that we get to wrestle with, because I think, uh, some pastors might react to what you said and go, Oh, that, that, is dicey. Is that overreach? Is it not? Is it, is it not? You know, and then you wrestle with it, but I love what you said, like, no matter what, there, there's health there. And maybe that's not the model people go with, but I myself love wrestling. I love being presented new models, new ways of doing things that again, do in some ways feel like they're, they're drawn out of these pages of scripture and say, Hey, how can we, how can we do better? And honestly, uh, having interviewed Alvin and knowing what a good dude he is and, and knowing that like you got to hand that off and, taking the pressure off your people to say hey i care about you enough to not abandon you that's huge and and maybe it doesn't work like that every time but it sure is a compelling model so yeah. the last thing uh the last thing i want to mention uh you know kind of as we close out here is uh pastors i mean all the time pastors you know you look at it and go man how do i find volunteer staff how do i hire people you know because again it's not it's hard to do it's hard to know what you need Absolutely. and what you look for um, and so maybe from your perspective, knowing what we know about you and your life and your journey, what are so, maybe just two things that you prioritized when you were searching for that, that shepherd to hand off to, and maybe two things that you're like, Hey, I could, I could caution against, you know, this. And so, or maybe it's just one thing, but whatever it is, just share us a little bit of that. What, what do you look for? And what are you worried about? You know?
1: Well, first thing we look for is, you know, uh, I would say, you know, in a weird way is that we prioritize the person. We always, I feel like that is the most important thing any person can do, any pastor can do is, and what I mean by that is, is that no way in any shape or form are we going to communicate a person's value as to what they can do or what they can sure. do for us? Because uh, we never want to jeopardize uh. some spiritual well-being for the sake of ministry at our church. So you got to be able to say, like, is this person the right fit? Not before now. Before you ask that, you got to say, like, can they handle it? Mm. You know, where are they at? Like, because, like I said, we we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to send in the wrong person just because we're coming in, we need an answer and we go, well, this is the person that's willing to do it. You know, we got to make sure that one, they're spiritually healthy and growing. So that's, that's one thing, we, how we prioritize the person. We make sure that like, Hey, are you growing? Or are you not? Because obviously if you're already stretched thin, you probably aren't going to do well. And sure. we don't want you to be destroyed for the sake of ministry because too many right. pastors are out because of that. It's true. The work. And we're going, we, we don't want that. And then, you know, just that idea of also for the second thing we look, we were looking for when looking for my, our, our successors were uh, humility. That's huge. Are they teachable? Are they willing to admit they're wrong even when they did everything right? You know, that one's sure. always a big one. Like I've learned, I wish I would have known that at a younger age, you know, just, I did everything right, but well, they didn't perceive it that way. And, and when that matters. Yeah. Sorry, I'm wrong. And uh, I apologize. And then, we, you know, do they run to the father, drop to their knees and go, God, I need more wisdom because even in that I didn't do it all right. And um, mm-hmm. I was asking, is there a way like, did you even question it for a moment or you've been, you know, because we really do look for those kinds of moments where humility may be hard to find because you're like, I did sure. it all right. Well, okay. But I said, like, I, I found that most Christians aren't going to aren't messing up intentionally. You know, are yeah, not. Yeah, we do a idea. Yeah, sure. So, you know, we just really we really go ahead and we would look for that teachability because I don't, we never want to go ahead and exercise this idea of, you know, character trumps, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, character doesn't trump uh, talent uh, because, right. you know, you can have all the talent in the world, you have the charisma in the world, uh, but if you have no humility, um, you're going to probably end up you know, I just taken a walk because that's what my pastor told me. He goes, Stephen, if you're out in the wilderness and nobody's following you, you are not a leader. You're just a guy out for a walk. Oh, and wow. so I was like, okay, good to know. And he goes, so I'm like, you know, he told me my two, two. Uh, I asked him, what are the two, like, if you could say the most important things for a minister, he goes, character and credibility, be a good person according to the word of God and do what you say you're going to do. And if you don't, wow. oh. Own it up. Say yeah, you screwed yeah. up. And so I've really kind of, just kind of translated that to humility. Like I said, so, and then what I would say to caution is don't be quick. Mm. Hasty decisions usually don't end well. Mm. You know, take time to communicate it with people you trust. You know, uh, with uh, the few in your church, but also a few outside. Uh, get, if you have a spouse, let them have eyes on the resume if necessary, or or hear the conversation. Let them. I said, I even say this: they have a if it's a guy and you have a they have a wife. Well, if your wife is okay, let them talk because sure. You know what I found? Your spouse will make you or break you in ministry. Sure. You know, but if you rush into these things, all of a sudden you've got a pastor who's got a, you know, unhealthy family, but you're stuck because you already made the decision. And, yeah, and
0: it's a lot harder to pull the plug than it is to yeah. do your homework up front. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And even if you want to, like we did a overlap period of a few months to train. And so now you're like really scrambling, even for yourself in a, in a very stressful way to try to bring them to a healthy place. You, you found out your workload just doubled. Right. And so it's better, even if they aren't healthy, you feel like they're still the one, that God called when you want to bring them in. If you like, yes, God wants us to nurture them. They've been through a lot. And I think like God wants them to have a win or something. Well, you need to know that going in though. It's way, fa- it's sure. way, better, way healthy. Otherwise you're just going to have a lot of headaches and you're going to be on a, a lot of cleanup, you know, sure. just messes galore. And then avoid quick answers. Always mm-hmm. try to get stories like what we're doing here today. You know, um, always try to go and dive deep see what happens, see what stories come out, see if it's always successes or if they're willing to talk about their failures. But again, I mean, my biggest one, again, is uh, I said never, ever, and I do say this like probably five times, ever, 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 ever exalt talent, ability, and personality over character in a heart that desires God. Hmm. Never do that. Never let go, oh, because I meet a lot of talented people and I question whether they even know God, you sure. know, and I'm, I, yeah. I'm not saying that to be vindictive. I'm just saying. No, I, but
0: we make powerful statements because the subject matter is so important. Like yes. the Bible even tells us, you know, you've got these individuals in in the Gospels where, you know, Jesus even he warns us. He says, yeah, they drove out demons and did mighty miracles. And yet I never knew you. And that's that's such a huge heart. Well, hey, um, Pastor Steven, I do want to say uh, thanks so much for being on today, man. I've really enjoyed our conversation and getting to know you. And I really think what you said will, will bless some other pastors as well. So thanks.
1: You're very welcome. It was good to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, from all of us at Rural Advancement, we thank you again so much for tuning in and hearing about these uh, important lessons and, and and again, getting a glimpse maybe behind the scenes, under the hood, as the metaphor goes, where we look at what makes our life tick. And hopefully echoing the thoughts shared earlier If we desire to know and love God more than anybody can, I think we're on the right track. And so uh, as usual, if you want to find our our, uh, podcast, you can look on Spotify, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, sorry, uh, or www.ruraladvancement.com. But true to rural form, uh, the best way for this podcast to get out there is for one rural pastor to turn to another rural pastor and say, hey, I got something you need to hear and something I think can encourage you. And so uh, I've been your host, Joe Epley. He has been Pastor Stephen Pettit. And for now, we will see you next week.